Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to yet another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. My name is Adam Homie. I am your host, and I am honored by your wise decision to tune in and invest in yourself today. Here at the Business Creators Radio Show, we help you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Please be sure to check out our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com where we have a breadth and depth of topics relevant to business creators just like you. Also, we have many syndication networks you can subscribe to so you can get fresh content from us every single time we release a new episode, which is at least once a week. So be sure to subscribe to those, pick the one you like the most, and go with it. Now, one of the things I love about our show, because we are somewhat broad, pretty much anything that has to do with helping business creators serve in the intersection of their brilliance and their creation. It allows me to have some fun with the content every once in a while. And today, we're literally going to invite you to dinner. Now, here's what I mean by that. We, if you live in any sizable market, I, like, for example, I'm based in Las Vegas, Nevada. In fact, even as we film this, it's about 103 degrees outside, but I'm sitting pretty out on my balcony outside my Las Vegas home office. You may hear my fan running in the background, but you know what? We don't need perfect studios to have a great interview. I mean, I remember the one time we did an interview at Business Creators Radio Show where our guest was sitting on top of an airport hangar in Tel Aviv watching the jets fly over while he was doing the interview, and you could hear the woof. <laughs> we were doing our conversation. So we've also had somebody call in from the rainforest of Columbia. We had uh, somebody, I think they were actually on a train once, and we had somebody dial in from a limo. So we love flexibility, and we're going to show some of that today. Now, getting back to what I was saying is you're in any size market, and you have the opportunity to attend what's known as a dinner seminar. So basically – Someone comes into town, and they offer you a meal, and you sit through a presentation, and you know going into it that you're going to uh, be offered an opportunity. Candidly, some folks go to these for the free meal. They know they're never going to buy. Candidly also, some people go to these with that same approach that, hey, I'll do it for a free meal. Maybe I'll pick up a few quick tips, but I'm certainly not investing in this. Then they turn around and invest in it. And it turns out to be one of the best things they ever did for themselves in their life. The thing that they look back and say, self, thank you so much for going to that dinner seminar and taking, uh, and taking the opportunity to invest in yourself because this has changed your business and changed your life. So as you can see, there's a little bit of a bridge we got across there, and we have our sensei to help us with that today. His name's Riley Meek. He's the founder of Social Dynamic Selling. He's the founder and CEO of this company, and this company has generated over $80 million in the past eight years, its mission is to teach business owners how they, too, can obtain predictable, sustainable, and scalable income primarily through dinner seminar marketing. You know, candidly, I never really thought that dinner, center mar dinner seminar marketing is something we would do an entire episode on, but the beauty of Business Creators Radio Show is we have the space and the opportunity to show you these different ways to grow and expand your business. So, Riley Meek, come on in. The weather's fine. <laughs> hey, Adam. Thank you much, man. I'm happy to be here. I've been called many things, but Sensei is uh, got to be the first time I've been called Sensei before. I <laughs> appreciate it. All right. <laughs> All right. So, first time we're talking about dinner, sense, dinner seminar marketing on my show. First time you're called Sensei as a guest on somebody's show. It's a first for everybody. 
So Perfect. before we dive in, before we dive in, and I know you have a lot of stuff to share with us here, and this is going to be to a degree one of those extemporaneous interviews once we define our terms. Uh, what mm -hmm. we like to do here is, I imagine by about now, we're a few minutes into this, we have folks who are on their computers and they're leaning in, and they have separate browser tabs open. They've gone to socialdynamicselling.com. They are looking up this Riley Neek person. Hey, and for anybody, anybody who's binging the Googles for this, it's R-Y-L-E-E-M-E-E-K. You're welcome. All right. So while, so while they're doing that, what we'd like to do is just sort of take a step back, you and me, and tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Sure, yeah. Happy to do that. Thanks, Adam. Um, so I grew up in a you know small, small town, South Dakota. Um, I you know currently reside up in Minneapolis, Minnesota now, and uh, I too am sitting on on uh, my patio overlooking the lake, uh, finally getting some of the nice weather here in Minnesota. So not nearly as hot as as you are in uh, Vegas, but um, I, I've, uh, I've my background has really been in sales. Um, you know, starting at an, at an early age, at the age of 15, I thought I would take my first job. Um, in a small town, and there's not a whole lot going on there. Um, we did have a couple gas stations, and and um, I thought, hey, let me let me uh, go get a job. Not something because my folks really asked me to or wanted me to. It was just kind of my my just just my inner being. I I just wanted to be able to go provide and you know be able to buy the things that any high school kid would want to do. And so I thought I'd take a job um, actually making pizza uh, at a small town gas station for five dollars and fifteen cents an hour. And um, I, I worked my first eight-hour shift, and uh, I did the math in my head, and I thought, there's no way I'm doing that again. So my first day was uh, technically my last day as well. And uh, that kind of started my entrepreneurial journey, and and uh, I dabbled in a number of other opportunities. Um, my family was actually, you know, quite big in um, some different network marketing, you know, MLM opportunities, and and um, I totally drank the Kool-Aid with that. I uh, <laughs> I uh, I love the you know the personal development side um of just you know expanding your vision and and just being you know surrounded by other people that had the same vision and ideas and mindset as you and so that was really my my early stage of of diving into sales and you know being able to provide an income for myself um my my as I moved up to Minnesota I literally graduated high school the day I I graduated I moved up to Minnesota uh, not really to you know to move to the to Minnesota for any particular reason other than it was like there's actually people there you know I love South Dakota <laughs> it's a great place to be from um, yeah. but there's just not a whole lot going on there unless you're you know a family farmer or something along those lines so um, moved up to the Twin Cities and uh, I started in uh, my, I got a two-year degree in exercise science um, which is basically glorified you know physical education <laughs> Um, but during that process, I started. Um, I was I was retailing some nutritional supplements and uh, put together some kind of creative, fun marketing campaigns, and and I uh, was making some decent money. But you know, by the time I was 19, I was you know retailing over 10 grand a month in in these nutritional supplements. Um, but I was you know ultimately kind of capped by by the amount of time in a day because I would put together these presentations and you know, invite people in. I got my phone to ring off the hook. It was great, but I would sit down with them and I'd do these one or two hour presentations and then ultimately ask for the purchase. And um, again, I was, I was 
you know, I, I, I thought I was, you know, somewhat free, had freedom, um, but if I didn't work, I didn't make money, and that was kind of it. So it, it was a challenge where, you know, it, it's like that time where, you know, as the business owner, it's like, do you own the business or does the business own you? Can you actually step away from it? And so I dabbled into a number of different things, and and after, you know, by the time I was 24, um, I, you know, made a pretty decent income for myself. I, I had uh, actually just returned from from Mexico. I'd, I'd moved down to Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, for about five months for a, another business opportunity that actually, you know, ultimately failed. Um, but I came back to the states and was just kind of searching for the next next opportunity, next thing that I could do and sell and and um i was it took me a few months i was just dabbling online looking at you know all sorts of different ads and of all places on craigslist um i came across this ad that it it simply said work 3 days a week and make 10,000 bucks and um naturally i thought yeah right you know like what what who who who's going to believe that um but of course the you know the curiosity within me caused me to inquire upon it and i had a few conversations with this gentleman well, I'll drive down and check it out. And this is really when I was first introduced to this new concept, the one that I had never really thought about before of just selling one to many versus one on one. And I got to witness this guy. He had, you know, about 20, maybe 25 people in a room. He did a one presentation for about an hour, hour and a half. He fed them a, a steak dinner. And then at the end, he simply asked for an appointment. And um, out of that, I think he got like six or seven appointments, and then um, he was able to meet with them one on one to actually close the deals. And uh, I was, I drove home from there, and I, I just couldn't stop thinking. I was, my mind was blowing. I thought, man, is this actually real? Like, could is this a, an opportunity in which I could leverage, you know, not only my my money, my income, but leverage my time more importantly? And ultimately, if I could do that, I thought this is where I could actually do. You know, one, two, three, four, whatever it is, rock these rock star presentations to groups of people, and then only meet with those that actually you know care enough or are intrigued enough to to you know find out the price or to talk about their their next product or project or whatever it is that we were selling. And so I was, I mean, I was, I didn't get a wink of sleep that night, as you can imagine. I thought, man, this is this is great. What could I sell through this model? And uh, within a couple months, I, I ultimately I thought this can't be too hard. So why don't I just you know take some of the products that he was selling, add a little spin, a little flair to them, and start my own company. And so I did that. Within a couple months, um, I did my very first presentation. It would have been in July of uh, like what 2000 and, uh, 2010, I believe it was. And um, our first six months, from July to December. Um, by the end of that, I had added on. Uh, uh, there was a total of six of us. We did. Um, we went from literally zero, from me paying for my first event on a credit card. Cause I, I literally had like 670 bucks in my bank account at this time, and so I went from zero <laughs> to yeah, right. <laughs> it's like you know, this is like the true entrepreneur. It's like, is this going to work or not? But you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. And we did a little over two million our first six months. And um, I thought, okay, this is, you know, this is, and it wasn't like it just happened overnight. Obviously, you know, six months is fairly quick in, in that world, but um, it was a, a lot of trial and error. It was a lot of, you know, figuring it out. You know, after my first few weeks, I realized it wasn't like, you know, you can just 
mail pieces out to anybody and everybody and they're going to show up. Um, and there was, I, I developed or I had, I had an understanding that there was a craft to this and there was a, you know, a process that could be put in place. And so that, that following year, um, we did a, a little over 12 million in sales. The following year, we did another 12 million and I had uh, 26 sales crews throughout the country. We were in 38 states doing these dinner seminars um, every single week. And at that point, I pretty much, you know, had this realization that we had we developed kind of a well-oiled machine here. Like this thing was going to run, you know, with or without me. I had put the proper staff in place, and it wasn't about any particular product um, that we were selling. Uh, because, I mean, at that time, we were, we were selling like literally insulation, LED lighting, um, you know, simple like weather stripping, simple things that you could do to your home to make them more energy efficient. And so it wasn't like I had this cool, sexy product or anything like that. I mean, it was just a practical thing that people could do um, with, you know, a fairly low cost, maybe a four, five, six thousand dollar ticket item um, that they could, you know, recoup or have a return on their investment. And so it made sense for the consumer. Uh, but I, I realized it wasn't really the product that 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 was working so well. It was the system that we had put together. And so I started to look at different products. What else could I offer? What could I sell? Is, is there anything better than this? And um, we dabbled in a number of different things and and uh, had great success with, with all of them, really. Um, and I still do. I have multiple companies of my own that are, are still selling through the dinner seminar format. Um, but you know, a few years ago, I, you know, I just realized that I remember I came home. It was actually, I was like on a, like a, towards the end of the week, I had just had a pretty successful, you know, seminar campaign that week. And I came home, it was late at night. My, my wife and daughter were already asleep and I, I just had this like feeling within me just kind of this this like uh, just unfulfillment and I, I sat down at my kitchen table and I thought gosh this is you know I've, I've made a decent amount of money this is you know life is good I'm providing for my family and I just had zero zero passion for what I was doing and it it it, I, it was a, ter- a terrible feeling it's, it's one of those things where it's like you know when you make a lot of money it's like you think that that's going to be it and you know, when you, when you don't have enough money, isn't everything until you don't have enough of it. You know, that's when it usually becomes everything for somebody. And and once you've you've experienced a little bit of success, you know, success quote unquote financially doesn't necessarily mean success for everybody. But um, that that was kind of the position I was in. It was like I I didn't care at all about what I was selling or you know what I was providing to people. And and I'd realized like my my true passion was actually people and being able to really pour into them and and um you know uh, build them up and which i was doing with my sales reps and things but it was just i was just unfulfilled and that's when i had this realization i thought like what how can i make this work and i thought you know i remember back to the, my early days of all the different products i had sold and i thought man every every business owner every entrepreneur struggles with one thing and it's not that you know they usually have a great idea or they have a great product or a great service but most of them struggle with a, you know, a proper flow of not only leads, but just like a sales system. And I thought, man, maybe, maybe it's the system that's actually the product. Maybe it's not, maybe I'm the product is what I thought. And I just started to write. And I thought, could this, could this actually be like, could, could we develop a more of a consulting side of this to teach business owners that have a passion for their product or sales reps that just have a passion for what they sell and offer? but just don't know how to do it. 
Because, you know, I mean, it, it's like those things. You always hear, like, if you build it, they will come. That is not true. If you build it, they will not come. you got to go out and freaking get them. And so that was, like, my, my thought through this. And I started to write, and I put together everything I knew about dinner seminar marketing and how to build a campaign, how to design the proper marketing piece, how to negotiate with the, the restaurants. Um, do, I, do, you, do you provide dinner or do you not? What time of day do you do these? Do you do a breakfast? What days of the week do you do them on? Um, how do you craft your message? How do you create your presentation? How do you um, set up the room? And I just started to lay all of this out, and uh, it, it just came together. And I just continued to write and write and write. And ultimately, this was the, like, the initial or the conception, essentially, of what we now know today as the social dynamic selling system. And uh, it's been a ride, man. It's been something that I've been able to kind of take a step back from, you know, running my, my own companies and been able to uh, teach other business owners and entrepreneurs how to, how to set up their own campaigns and take their business to the next level. Wow, that is quite a story, and I thank you so much for sharing that with us. And, you know, although our journeys to where we have each respectively arrived today are somewhat different, there's one thing we have in common is I think we both grew up in that same rural area where there really wasn't much of anything. I mean, where I grew up, yeah. uh, going going to the convenience store to get a candy bar was a 25-minute excursion. I mean, that just gives you <laughs> an idea. So, I mean, there was, there was only so much I could even do, even as a kid, to have a, a grass-cutting business to make some money. And I had kind of that idea of making money and having some of my own things from the very beginning. Uh, I can tell you one of the catalysts behind uh, my ch you know, changes, so to speak, is when I turned 16 years of age, I could not wait to get a driver's license and have a car. Not for the typical reasons that we normally think of when we hear somebody say that, which is, man, I want to go party. No, it's because I wanted to get a job like now. I want to get my own like revenue stream like now. Uh, the immediate catalyst was that I absolutely freaking hated the ideas behind the clothing choices my parents wanted to impose upon me and my grandmother especially <laughs> even even worse, like God Almighty, uh, and I wanted to, uh, I wanted to simply buy my own clothing. So that was my immediate drive, so that I could have a wardrobe that I enjoyed wearing. And you know, the thing is, um, I'm going to date myself here a little bit. This was the early 1990s when the merry-go-round was still a thing before it went bankrupt. And you know, those clothes that I worked all those hours of that job for to get all that money to purchase. They are worth so much money on the nostalgia market right now that had they not been <laughs> donated somewhere along the line, I would have more than gotten my money back in 2019 dollars, not just so much the exact price of the tag or what have you. That's how much that stuff is worth on the nostalgia market. So my advice <laughs> to parents is let your kids buy the clothes. As long as they are, you know, as long as it's not like something that degrades the child, like, uh, you know, makes them look like a, a nasty human being of some sort, let them buy the fashions that they want. And if the stuff's a little bit trendy, that's good. But then once they outgrow it both size-wise and fashion-wise, stick it in a box in your attic and wait 20 years. Chances are there's going to be some money there because nostalgia, as we're seeing more and more, is a very powerful thing in marketing in so many markets, so many niches, 
in so many industries because it goes back to one of the key marketing principles behind influence and persuasion, which is inspiring a childlike state of enthusiasm in your listener or reader. So think about it. Nostalgia, childlike state of enthusiasm, exactly. So before we get into this dinner seminar marketing thing, I'm so curious about how this actually works and how we overcome the number one objection. Uh, you use the phrase social dynamic selling system. Can you explain mm -hmm. in your terms what that means and why that works so well? Yeah, absolutely. I love to explain this, and that's really the reason why I even came up with this this phrase, I guess, or, or what we call our company, because um, whenever you people hear social or, you know, they think of, they always think of like social media. That's just kind of what people are, you know, the, the world that we live in now in, in 2019. And it's like, uh, I'm able to actually explain what the social dynamic selling system is, because I think as, as, you know, wonderful the online world is and, you know, online funnel systems and everything like that's great. But I think at the core, a lot of humans, right now are still missing like that actual true interaction, that face-to-face -face, um, ability to, you know, look somebody in the eye and shake their hand and have a true social dynamic, and especially right. in a group setting. And so that, that social dynamic is, is really, you know, there's, there's a social dynamic in any type of group setting, whether you're, you know, at the grocery store, there's a group of people there, there's a social dynamic happening. There's people picking up the vegetables or the fruit and people over talking and the cash registers and, and there, that's an, that's an entire dynamic in itself. Or if you go to, uh, if you go to church, you've got, you know, the, the greeters, the ushers, you have the pastor, you have all, everybody else that's attending there. There's a social dynamic that happens. And so why this works so well from a, a selling system is that we're able to to target and get a group of people, of like-minded people, if we've done our job correctly, to bring them into an environment in which you are you are the ringleader, essentially, and, and you're able to to create this social dynamic, this atmosphere that creates a comfortable environment for them um, to ultimately make that decision, uh, whether you're selling a, a purchase, you know, a product or a service or whatever that is. So that's why I love creating this social dynamic because I just really think that. It's it's kind of that lost art that that people are really missing out on, especially when making, you know, buying decisions. Because you know nobody wants to be sold, everybody wants to buy. And I think what one of the things that we've we've done very well is is to be able to create that type of an environment within this group setting um, using our dinner seminar campaigns. I think that's awesome. So dinner seminar marketing, I uh, you know this is this is so interesting to me because here in Las Vegas we get the opportunities to come to the dinner seminars all the time. Sometimes they take the form of wine tasting. Sometimes they take the form of, of actually the you know, cigar culture is a really big thing here in Las Vegas. One of the reasons I moved here. Sure. So sometimes you'll find cigar events that are actually centered around the same type of thing. Come have a great, you know, come have a, a David off on us and uh, be prepared. We're going to share an opportunity with you. Uh, maybe it's said in exactly those words. Sometimes it's more implied, but the idea is there. So you have all these opportunities to mix the social interaction, uh, the social dynamic, as you've described, with the marketing opportunity. And there are so many folks out there, we might as well just get to this point right now, where they say, you know what, yeah, I'll go there. 
I'll have a I'll have a good time with it. I'm definitely not going to buy anything. I'm I'm not in this market at all. But hell, if somebody's going to buy me a free steak dinner, give me a free cigar, or a glass of wine, I'll do it. And uh, and if somebody were to call them on that, they might justify it by saying, look, somebody there is going to buy, and my presence there is going to add positive energy that might persuade somebody else to make that decision, so I feel like I'm doing them a favor. So I just wanted to put all mm-hmm. that out there for you and point out that there is that bridge uh, between Certainly. people actually going to the events and enjoying the food. Let's just stick with food because they're dinner seminars by the terminology. There's a bridge between enjoying the food and saying, oh, thank you so much, we've got to do this again, versus actually investing in that program service or whatever it is that's being offered. So what are some of the issues at play here, and how do we cross that bridge? How do we engage Riley Meek as our sensei to show us the way from one shore to the other? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because anytime we, we take on a client or I'm, I'm trying to explain this to people that this is, you know, kind of a newer concept to, that's that's what they always think of. They're like, well, I don't want to be wasting money on, you know, dinner for these people. Can we just do this without dinner? Uh, or, you know, they they always have these ideas that they think may work better. And and at the end of it, you, you had even mentioned, like, I, I love those people that come just for the dinner. You know what? Because I, I don't care. It brings that social dynamic atmosphere to this. And depending upon that, that product or that service, maybe you only need one or two sales to actually make this thing work. Or if you need, you know, 10 sales, then, you know, that's going to change the, the, the whole dynamic of how we're going to go about marketing for this. Um, so there's so many things that kind of come into play and in how we back into the appropriate type of campaign for each, each business owner or each product or each service. Cause, you know, if, if I have a group of people, there's always a percentage that are are never going to buy no matter what. They're solely there because they're they just want that free steak dinner or chicken dinner or whatever it is. They're not even listening to you. Heck, they may have earbuds in. Who knows? And then that's completely fine with me. And then there's a group that you know maybe uh, you know somewhat kind of intrigued a little bit about the you know what you ha- what you're going to be talking about. Um, and then there's always a percentage as well that are going to buy no matter what. Like there's those people out there that just love to buy. They're the, they're, what's yeah. called, there's infomercials on TV every night. And so if we've crafted our, our message properly, um, or even before that, if we've completely identified, like truly identified our client avatar, like who is our ideal customer, who wants this, needs this, and ultimately buys this, um, that's where we start. Like So we do, anytime we onboard a new client or are simply just, you know, teaching people this system, that's where we start, always starting with the end in mind of like, who is this ideal customer? Because I'm not, if your ideal customer is blonde hair, blue eyed, six foot two, you know, females, I'm not inviting, you know, five, three, you know, brunettes. Like that's not who I'm going to be inviting to this event. And so we can get extremely specific demographically on who we're going to be inviting to these events. And um, I think that's, you know, starting with, with that in mind allows us to um, start out with a, a true campaign type feel where we are controlling every aspect of this, at least, you know, to the, to the extent that's, that's possible here of controlling this so that we have the most ideal people in the room for our, our clients, no matter what their product or service is. And so if we can start with that, I know without a doubt there's 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 still going to be those percentage of people in the room 
some that I'll never buy. They don't even know what the heck they're there for, um, but they still meet my client avatar. Um, and then some that may be on the fence and then some that are going to buy no matter what. And then from there, if your message is clear throughout and consistent throughout uh, and you do a decent enough presentation, you're always going to get some sales with this, with using the social dynamic selling system. Yeah. Uh, I see. And you point out some things that even I had not thought of, which is, number one, that it actually is part of the marketing plan for there to be people in the room who may not buy, that in order for this thing to be a resounding success, you don't need every single person to rush to the table in the back of the room and take up on this. And the fact that there may be some enthusiastic people in there enjoying themselves who don't make the decision can actually benefit you because it may inspire other people who are ready to take the decision. So I'll right. confess, I go to these things sometimes with no intention of buying whatsoever. And even if I know that I am completely adamant about this because the money or my time is just not there and it's not going to be there and I'm not going to go into a credit card or I'm not going to adjust my life for this and I don't care what it is or who it is or what have you, I will make a proactive effort to be a positive contributor to everything that's going on because I know somebody there is this close to crossing the Rubicon. Somebody there. Yep. just needs a little bit more to get them to make that buying decision. And if I can bring my energy and my positive channels to help that person make the investment that makes the most sense, it's going to be of greatest benefit to them, I'm certainly happy to do that. And to me, hey, if you're buying me a meal, it's the least I can do. Exactly, exactly. And that's the, and that's the mindset that, that you know I put my, myself in and all of my clients in because those are the ones – when you're when you're doing your presentation, those those are the ones that are sitting in the audience nodding their head, yes, 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 because it's it's simply the law of reciprocity. Like I'm buying you this dinner, so you naturally, you know, you you want to provide or give something back to me, whether that's your money or simply your encouragement or your agreement. It, I don't care, but at some point, someone's giving me money and <laughs> to, to make yeah. this thing happen. <laughs> Which, which is so, funny. What did I say? What did I say five minutes ago? People will justify their decision to not invest by saying, "Hey, I'm doing. I'm making the event more exactly. fun." And here you are saying, "Yeah, it's part of the point." Exactly. Exactly. And I do want to be kind of clear on one thing because I know you had, you had mentioned you know rush to the back of the room. Um, that really isn't what we what we do. You know, certainly okay. I've worked with clients and taught them how to do that. Where That's where they're usually selling a course or this certain product or something like that where it's like, you know, rah, 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 now rush to the back of the room. First, you know, 10 people get this or whatever. Definitely that that's a form that we can do and we can still fill events for. But really what we've been able to, to perfect here is in why we're so successful in so many different verticals, whether it's you know, home remodeling or energy conservation or investment clubs, travel, um, the cosmetic side of thing, medical. We're in so many different verticals because ultimately what we're doing is we are getting those potential customers or consumers to know, like, and trust that presenter. And and the reason they do that is because our message is so clear throughout and we, we help our clients develop a presentation that allows the presenter to immediately establish authority in, in his industry or her industry, whatever that service that it is that they provide, they, they are immediately positioned as this authoritative figure within that specific market. 
and then you know they're they're able to give a presentation on a topic that they you know should probably know pretty well, and then right. the the whole way through this we're 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 taking people on you know an emotional journey, emotional roller coaster that's ultimately backed by by logic. So at, by the, by the end of it, they they just they they like you. You're you're just like a good guy. They like you. They trust you. And all we're trying to do is ask for that extra appointment. I'm not selling in the event. I'm simply gaining that know, like, and trust to 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 invite, have them invite me to sit down one on one and talk about their project, their product or project or whatever it is that they're looking to to uh, purchase. That's that's the whole goal of the presentation. And I often refer, I mentioned earlier, even about an online funnel. You know, there's a lot of talk about that. You know, you build an online funnel system. And, and I really think what we've been able to develop here is kind of an offline funnel system because, you know, rather than doing pay-per-click or Facebook ads or whatever else and trying to get people into a funnel, I mean, I'm I'm purchasing that, that demographic or that, that specific data on that person. I'm personally inviting them out. I'm taking those phone calls. We have a, a 24/7 uh, phone uh, reservation line. I'm, I'm confirming those events, uh, and and then they're coming out to an, to an actual seminar in which we deliver a presentation, and then we are ultimately asking for an appointment. So I could start with 6,000, 8,000, 10,000, whatever it is, names and addresses, and I get 50, 60 to show up at my event, and if I get you know, 10, 12 appointments out of that. Now I'm 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 with my 10 to 12 like true actual potential sales, and that's that's what we've been able to develop and craft here with the system. See, I, I see, I like this and the way you've broken it down into these pieces. Uh, and what I especially like about it is that it doesn't have to necessarily rely entirely on online marketing tactics because i think the offline even though we still keep hearing that offline is the new online is a phrase i heard actually very recently that uh <laughs> that uh you know it's there's still so much untapped opportunity there and what we see especially with folks the online marketing industry is a mecca for those who like me have the introverted personality because we don't have to go to offices. We don't have to see people. We can make money through our computers with no human beings around us. God, it's nice. Right. <laughs> at the same time, uh, at the same time, we do like to get out of the house and uh, you know, going to the clubs and, and shows and stuff like that it might not be our, our gig. And, uh, and we might not want to take yet another hike up Mount Charleston or whatever it is that we do here in Las Vegas. Now, mm -hmm. at the same time, the idea of getting out to a good networking function is great, and when you're dealing with the introverted personality type, a structured networking function can work extremely well. And part of the reason for that is because there's not going to be a lot of dead air where everybody's standing around holding their glass of wine in one hand and their, and their hors d'oeuvre in the other hand saying, oh, so Riley, what do you do? Oh, God. Right? right? So you go to a so you go to a dinner seminar, and this is why I go to these things actually, is because you're going to get there. There may be a, a like an intro, you know. There might be, you know, if you're there early, you're going to be hanging out for a bit, or they may have people in the lobby while they're getting the dining room set up or what have you. But the majority of this is actually going to be structured. Uh, once they open up the dining room, they're going to bring you in. They're going to sit you down at a table, 
you're going to be with a group of people that uh, either by happenstance or by somebody else's decision, I guess it just all depends on the event, uh, you'll be with probably about between six to eight people. So now you're already in potentially a greater comfort zone because you can say you've done your networking bit as long as you say hi to these six to eight people. And because you're going to be with them for a focused period of time, not a lot of things could happen. You could become that person who invests. You could be the person who persuades that other person to invest, you know, doing your part to contribute to the positive atmosphere. And, yes, candidly, you could find uh, a business contact for your own business. Uh, these things, I guess, do have a way of bringing people together in that way. So what's also great is there is going to be a presentation. Uh, there is going to be a schedule of events at this thing. So you're not forced to make dead-air small talk conversation with people the whole time. So for those reasons, I like them. Uh, candidly, sure. and maybe I will invest in something at some point, but I do know that I have persuaded people myself to take up on opportunities that I wasn't going to do myself, saying great, you know, great opportunity, just not for me personally, but for the reasons it's not good for me personally, I think it's actually great for you. I've used that line before, and that worked for at least one person. Sure, you bet. I like it. I mean, that's that's, that's great. That's you know the, the whole point of. Uh, you know the social dynamic selling system is you get that group of people together and and ultimately that you get the encouragers you get the discouragers as well and there's ways to handle them and that's that's part of what we teach in in our system of of how how to you know have room control and and uh you know what what the right size of of the room is you know what, how many people do you want in your event uh is it 100 or is it 7 you know i mean it, it could really be dependent on that product or service and um, and that's really why we we always start like I, I mentioned before, just you know, with the end in mind as as the business owner or the the presenter, we always want to know who that true client is, and then what are we uh -huh. really selling? Like, right. what are we truly selling? Like, it, it's not you know the product that you're selling; it's it's the benefits or even the benefits of the benefits of those products. And that's how we're able to to craft a message um, that's clear throughout that allows us to you know establish that authority gain that know, like, and trust, and then assuming we've done that rock star presentation that, that we help people deliver, um, you're going to you're gonna sway those. You're always going to get this, the ones that are going to buy no matter what, but, you know, the true rock stars are those that can gain that percentage of, of those that are sitting on the fence to take action, and uh, and that's, again, what we teach through throughout utilizing our system. All right. You mentioned discouragers. Now, are these like uh, the potential that you get a heckler in the room? What does that mean, oh, and, uh, and and what do you do about handling those people? I personally have never seen the phenomenon, but I could imagine you getting some wise-ass in the second row that just wants to tear you down to make themselves look big. <laughs> right. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I this is kind of what I geek out to, man. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I like – I, maybe I'm sick in the head, I guess, but I, like, look forward to these things and, and <laughs> just because there's, 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 there's ways to make – people you know within your within the group you, there's ways to make these people you know turn on them without you making making yourself look like the bad guy you know and i don't want right. to say even turn on them but nobody likes that guy like literally nobody likes that guy and that's why he probably is who he is you know he just wants to be the you know the the guy that thinks he's more important than anybody else or, or whatever the case is and and oftentimes uh, i mean there, there's certain ways there's there's um uh, what I want to say, there's there's ways to make it um, 
the the group themselves or the table that they're sitting at will literally, you know, just tell the guy to shut up um, without making <laughs> you look like the the bad guy. Because certainly there there's ways to do it poorly as well. Like if you know, it, because you're being judged no matter what. I mean, you are being judged by every single person in that room because people, again, like I said, people never want to be sold something, and and they think that's what you're there to do. They want so you have to create this fun, easygoing environment where they can make that decision to, you know, to know, like, and trust you, but then to ultimately buy. And, you know, once you've, the, the early beginning of it, you know, once people start coming in, that, that initial stage of building rapport and chit-chatting with people is just as crucial as the presentation itself. Like, I, if I'm delivering the presentation, I'm greeting people. I'm, I'm sitting down with them beforehand. Heck, I, we talk about, you know, the stupidest stuff of weather to how long they've lived there, have they eaten here before, you know, all these little things that, you know, any sales rep just does naturally to gain that rapport. But it's even more important uh, in doing that within a group setting because you're, you're continually being watched and judged by every single person in that room, whether you talk right. to them or not. And so, and, and you can usually pinpoint, you know, that heckler early on. It, like like right away how when they come in and their demeanor and, and how they're talking to you and and the, I mean I, I guess probably the the reason I don't get this too often when I deliver my own presentations anymore is I'm able to nip that right in the butt before it even yeah. starts um, because I got that guy eaten out of my palm uh, you know just because I've had that three or four or five minutes with him um, to build that initial rapport before he blows up my holy bet. Ah, <laughs> uh, so you. So you so you see uh, you see him coming a mile away, and you, for lack of a better phrase, beeline to that guy, and you turn him around even before you get up on stage or get in front of the room. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. I mean, that's, that's always going to be the best solution. I mean, certainly it's not yeah. always the case, but um, you know, and, and that's where it's it's you know we call them like the snipers or the gripers or you know the people that are, are always going to challenge you. And, um, you know, it, it, it's fun to do that in a group setting and just the, the, the smallest little smirk or the little wink or something along those lines gains these the other people in the audience. Because in all reality, you don't have to win that person over. That that heckler, you're never going to win him over. He's never going to purchase from you or, or she's never going to. I mean, and, and I'll, in, for the most part, you don't want them to because who the heck – you just you want to do business with people you like. And so my goal is to utilize their – you know, their bitterness or why they're mad at the world or mad at themselves to get the, everybody else in the crowd to trust me and know that I'm a good guy and I'm not going to let this guy, you know, rattle my cage or get on my nerves. And and when, yeah. once they see that, they, they they take your side. And if that guy, that guy continues on, they're the ones that will just, you know, bark at him and you don't even have to do it. <laughs> so it, that's the fun aspect of you know, part of the whole social dynamic aspect of this. Yeah, and I, I, I think that's, I think that's great. You know, I had a, I saw this happen in the, in a, in a seminar of that I was at last year, and uh, the was in part, and there was a module on a seminar about mindset, and uh, the, the person hosting the seminar um, brought up uh, President Donald Trump as an example of mindset, and what he was referring to was that period in the '90s when Trump got hit by the by the real estate thing that happened, and um, and he and he related, you know, regardless of what you think of President Trump, this is what this is what got him through it, is because he had been a billionaire before. His mindset was, I am a billionaire, 
So I will not rest. I will not stop until I am a billionaire again. And that drove his comeback. Well, you had some wise-ass in the front row that just had to throw in their political views, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yep. I just loved, I just loved the way the guy diffuses. He just he looked at the person and actually with a smile, and I thought I saw a wink, although it was kind of far away. He said, he said, did that really happen, or did you hear that on CNN? And the person <laughs> just kept going with their points about I don't know what they were babbling about. He just kept saying with a with a with a with a with a you know with a serene smile on his face. He just kept saying. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And told the person, shut up. Now, the reason I brought that up is because what you also had in the audience over in my corner, and I saw some of this going on in other areas of the room as well, and there were about 150 people in the room. This was a larger one. Is you had a bunch of people with disgusted looks on their face like, what the hell is this person doing? Right. And I heard, and I heard, and I even heard somebody said, you know what? I don't like the president either, but this is this is this guy's seminar. He gets to say what he wants. You don't like it, leave. Right. Yep. Exactly. And, so, and then that's just that's how the room is able to turn on that that person in itself, and and allow, it makes you look like, uh, you know, like they feel bad for you. They're like this guy, like yeah. you just said, this is this guy's event. Let him talk, and you know, you don't have the right to to do this. If you want to talk, fill your own event, do your own seminar. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's like it's like, and you know, and flipping that the other way. I've been in, I've been in rooms where people have uh, taken the opportunity to insert, in my view, completely irrelevant statements about politics, social issues, religion, or what have you. And you know, I just, I just, it's like it's their event, whatever. I'm not going to say anything. Right. But if, if, I mean, if this, yep. is, if this is such a problem for me that I can't handle an opposing view, then I'll leave. But other than right. that, and, 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 and the point is, Riley, I've never left. It's like, okay, well, their event, and hey, if they want to, if they want to piss off half their audience by doing this stuff, that's their funeral. I'm, uh, I'll, I'll come and, uh, I'll come and lay flowers, whatever. But, uh, but the point is, but the point is, is we're dealing with hecklers and interrupters, and I'm just making the point that I'm not going to heckle or interrupt or even like walk out of the room in such a way where people can tell that's the reason I'm leaving or something like that, because that's no, right. no. And, and if somebody, and if somebody does that, like even if somebody righteously stood up and walked out of the room because they didn't like that, you're actually going to look more at the person who's walking out of the room. than you're going to look at the person who's up on stage who decided to express those sentiments because right. you have to remember whose room it was versus who was disrupting the room. Yep. Absolutely. That's, that's all dead on. And yeah. uh, and I think that's just how you're able to utilize the, the you know the social dynamic of it is is to always gain that no like and trust because you're there for them and in that law of reciprocity of like I'm actually buying you a dinner I think that's part of the reason why it's it's so rare that I get people that are hecklers because I just think even whether it's consciously or subconsciously you know they just they're grateful for it you know and and yeah. it's, you know the, that's not always the case by any means but. Um, and those people that are grateful for it are, you know, are just as sick as listening to that heckler as, as you are. And so they'll, they'll voice their opinions as well, um, which allows you to, you know, just do your thing and uh, stay consistent. As, as I say, like your message needs to be consistent throughout the whole process. Um, you can't let those, those people t- throw you off um, and, and just allows you to maintain that credibility uh, as, the, as the actual presenter. 
Right, right. And, and, uh, and, and, you know, and I think it's, it's good we spend a few minutes discussing this and throwing in a couple of real world issues because these are the types sure. of things that can happen at any type of event. So just wanted to show anybody who's considering do, doing dinner seminars, don't worry so much about this stuff. Uh, all the, all the division and hatred and angst that we see in the world today is highly unlikely to come to your event. And even if it does, just listen to what Riley has to say because you can nip that stuff right in the bud. You can get those people, even if they're still not going to invest in you, you can still get them to be your supporter in the room. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if that, and if that fails, you can get everybody else to support you. Right. Exactly right. All right. Uh, utilize, so in, utilize the tools I put in front of you. Exactly. So in the time we have left here, uh, there is one other major burning issue that comes to mind for me is – cost i mean you got to sure. reserve a vent you got to reserve a venue it's typically got to be a decent venue you got to have things like a, a nice room not in the middle of uh some hell hole you got to have a nice atmosphere good ambiance maybe some decent parking it would be nice things like that right. and you want to you want to serve them a good meal a, a, a meal they're going to enjoy eating uh nutritious healthy delicious and to get all sure. these things together in the same place at the same time, you can be looking into some bucks. So yeah. I'm just going to leave this as sort of an open-ended question and let you address it based on your years of experience. How do you address the sentiment of, gee, Riley, this is expensive? Right. Absolutely. So uh, part of it, uh, it really depends, again, on what, what is your product or service? Who is your true client? Like what are we, what are we trying to accomplish here? And if you know if you're if you're selling uh, an investment opportunity in Henderson, Nevada, like that's a different person than if you are in um, Mitchell, South Dakota, trying to sell a, a home remodeling product. They're completely right. two different venues, completely different invitations, completely different demographics that that we have to purchase. And so uh, all of that comes into play when we build out the actual campaign. And if, if you remember, I mean, I had I had 670 bucks in my bank account and a credit card. That's what I – it was like if I didn't sell anything this week, we had to make the choice of could we – could I do another week of marketing or eat? Like that that was the situation that I was in. And, you know, I believed enough in the system and what I, what I thought at the time. I didn't know, but I thought actually would work. Um, we've been able to, you know, really perfect this thing to put together a campaign that, that makes sense. Now, I will be the very, very first one to tell somebody, you know, if you're selling a, a $48 widget and there is no upside, there's no lifetime value to your actual customer, do not do this system. Like, I, that, that's why I spend, I do a strategy call before I, I, I take any particular client on because I want to get, I want to I know, you know, what are you truly, what are you truly selling? As I mentioned before, and if, if you're, if you're selling, uh, you know, you always hear like you don't buy a, a drill because you want a hole. It's like, or you don't want you don't want to you don't buy a drill because you want a drill. You want a hole, but it's not even right. Right. you want a hole so you can hang the picture. And like that's yeah. how we want to we want to craft this message, um, and and making sure that we have a a proper game plan when we start. Like if if you have maybe you're not charging enough for your product, or maybe you're charging too much. Like I, we help to kind of develop this true marketing campaign to make it profitable. I mean, our, our kind of tagline is a predictable, sustainable, and even a scalable selling system. And so 
if if I have to invest, you know, call it six grand or ten grand or whatever it is, I better make sure I get a return on my investment to do that. And you're just not going to do that for you know selling a forty eight dollar widget. But if people have a profit margin of uh, you know a thousand bucks plus, we could probably develop a campaign that would actually make sense. Um, but if if it's less than that and there's not additional upside or a, a true lifetime value to this customer or a residual type aspect to it, it might not be the best format. This is, this is absolutely not for everybody, but it, it, it is a great system if you do have a, a product or an offering that, that can profit enough. And, and my, my true philosophy is I want to develop a, an, an ROI of like 300% for every campaign. If I can right. do that, like that is my sweet spot. Of because I know if it if it's less than that, maybe I'm not spending enough money, or if it's higher than that, maybe I'm spending too little uh, to to gain my you know to keep my sustainability to make this thing go. And it's like our system truly is. If I go to a slot machine and I put in three quarters, I every third quarter I put in, I'm putting that you know I'm getting a dollar back or whatever that is. Like I know that without a fat, without a doubt. Uh, that that's I'm always going to get that return on investment, and that's why we encourage our our clients when we when we sit down and do these strategy days and build this thing out. It's like we we make them commit to eight weeks. Like if, if you can't commit to an eight week campaign with us, we're probably not going to suggest you, you do it just because we know that the numbers always work out, and oftentimes our clients have to kind of glean that from us initially because it gets scary when you're putting money out from a marketing standpoint. Um, but there are certain things that can happen. Like, you know, we do a ton of direct mail, hundreds of thousands of pieces of direct mail every week. And and the reason for it is because it, it gives me a true measurable form of marketing that, that provides us the best return on investment. I've done everything from online to uh, you know, just every door direct mail to to Facebook ad, what, you name it. I've, I've done door hangers. I've done everything, and the the absolute highest return on investment that I've been been able to produce is is direct mail. You know, but but that could be a different piece dependent upon each different product that that we're trying to or or depend upon the client that we're trying to attract into the event. And and the reason that we we always require these eight campaigns is I know life happens. You know, if you're doing these events up here in Minnesota in February, shoot, you could have a winter <laughs> storm come in and completely blow it up. You know, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, uh, one yeah. of my longtime clients uh, lives near those same lakes that you're looking upon right now, and I hear yeah. a lot of the weather stories. I, I heard you guys break out your convertibles and your tank tops when it's 50 degrees out because to you that's warm. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and those are the things that you have to take into consideration when planning these. It's not like just throw a dart at a date or even at a map. I mean, we take everything into consideration from, you know, travel time to the actual venue. Who's a true client and, and what, where do they eat? Where do they, you know, frequent? What's a comfortable environment? Is there a bridge that would prevent them from coming across to actually eat, uh, eat you know, during rush hour? Is there you know, a, a potential event going on. Is there a sporting event in town? Heck, are they really good at at high school basketball and they got a, a sporting uh -huh. event on Tuesdays and Thursdays? Like, that is how specific we get. 
and why we're so successful at building these campaigns. Because we, I mean, again, life does happen, but we do everything. We've been given tools to do everything we can to prevent those hiccups from happening. And and if I, if we can commit to eight, I know you're going to have a, a true return on investment, um, even if the mail didn't hit at the proper day or if that winter storm came in. We're, we're still going to be able to weather the storm um, if we commit to these eight full weeks. And at that point, the, you know, the, the, the fire's lit, and now you're holding the lighter fluid, and it's just a matter of how much you want to pour on it. And, uh, yeah. and that's what we're able to do and then, you know, maintain these campaigns on an ongoing basis for all of our clients. Well, I can tell you, certainly, uh, I'm certainly highly impressed with your level of knowledge on this, and I'm even more thrilled that you were willing to come on the Business Creators Radio Show than I was when you first sent in your information asking to be on our show. So thank you so much for this. Now, we are actually near the top of the hour, and I imagine we still have people leaning in here. And now it's gone from, hey, who is this Riley Meek guy, to how do I engage with him? So we have about two minutes left. I'm going to give one of them to you. Uh, If you have anything for our audience, if there's anything you want to share, anything you want to give them, anything you want to provide as a resource, now is that time. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. So um, our website is is socialdynamicselling.com. So socialdynamicselling.com. Um, and I, I I knew starting out that not everybody could afford to just, you know, hire us out the gates and, and anything like that. So I wanted to put this into a simple, you know, format for people that were starting out like I was, where I was I was broke. Like I I, I was willing to work. I just didn't you know, I, I was didn't have the, the money to invest to make this thing happen. And so I, I broke this out into what I basically call our journey map into six basic modules on on how to put together your, your true campaign. And and starting with the end in mind of developing your client avatar to, you know, how do you design your presentation? How do you deliver it? How do you fill the room? What type of scripts do you put together uh, when taking the phone calls? All of that is in this with journey map. Um, and it's downloadable on our website at socialdynamicselling.com. Right. And I've checked out the website myself, and there's a lot of great information there. Um, there are some interviews. I, I had a chance to at least uh, scan your interview with uh, the on the Sharkpreneur podcast. I think that's a great one for people sure. to check out, and they can learn about your proprietary process and all other kinds of things. So I definitely encourage people to go to socialdynamicselling.com. I think it's a, I think it's a great website. So, Riley Meek, I want to thank you so much for being on our show here today. It's been an honor and an education. Absolutely. Thank you, Adam. It's been a great time chatting with you, getting to know you a little bit more as well. Appreciate it. All right, we'll keep this going. For everybody listening, this is Adam Homey, host of the Business Creators Radio Show. Please visit our website, www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. We help you win at the game of business and marketing so you thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.